Hi, I'm Carla. And I'm Richard. We're the Obies, hosts of the We Do podcast. And co-founders of WeDoRelationships.com. We help people discover the best version of themselves for their significant relationships, even their marriage. Yes, even that. Every week, we share insights we've learned over 20 years of helping individuals and couples. We can help you stay motivated and accountable while encouraging you to find lightness and the connection in your life that we're all after. That's right. We do will help you master simple and elegant ways to withstand adversity in your life and encourage you to make it happen. We believe every day is a great day to share and grow. You probably have a relationship that needs some attention, whether at home or at work. Your breakthroughs and tools await you at WeDoRelationships.com. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to join our community of brave and intentional individuals who want life-giving relationships in their lives. Nourishing your relationship keeps it alive. We all need connection and inspiration. As you listen, you will gain insights that you can share with others, even your partner. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, sweetie. Hello. Well, another day and another thought-provoking subject, I think. Um, Stress in the world is at a pretty big high when we're thinking about what's going on and other countries, what's going on in our world, what's going on in the offices, and what's going on in their lives, and all the dynamics of change that people have. Stress is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stress levels in the world, according to Gallup in a recent survey, is that 57% of those surveyed, and they survey a lot of people, thousands and thousands of people, so their uh, deviation, standard deviation or rate of error is pretty, pretty low, but basically 57%, 6 out of 10, essentially, People feel highly stressed mm. in their lives. Uh, some form that's high stress. This mm-hmm. isn't just stress of, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of stress in my knee right now. This is like emotional stress and emotional challenges that they have in their lives. Mm-hmm. Why? How do we? How do we know this? Um, recently, this past week, you were asked to go to a company and talk about self care, mm-hmm. and I believe that self care was a response to someone noticing that people need to take care of themselves and Mm -hmm. people are struggling. We don't like to just kind of comment on, oh boy, oh boy, the world is so difficult and everything's so challenging. Well, if everything wasn't challenging, we wouldn't be talking about it. We would be talking about what's so great about it. I could go all day long about what's great about it. But what we're doing is trying to have a balance of saying, okay, how do you get to a place where you can be able to see Mm -hmm. what's great about going on in your life? There's four to five things that people, if they look about the well-being in their lives, they, and it's their positive emotions, um, it's engagement, it's their relationships they have in their life, it's the meaning they have in their life, and it's the achievement they have in their life. And if they can't get out of their own cage, it's tough to engage. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's amazing to me how many people are... Are, are stressed, like you said, but also uh, very much interested in self-care because there's a there's a, a movement or shift where people know all of a sudden it really resonates that I have to take care of me so that I can take care of others. You know, it's like we cannot serve from an empty vessel. We have to fill up in order to give more. And everyone benefits. It's not just the 
person who is investing in self-care. I think um, recently I was in a nail salon with my daughter, Madeline, and we were, you know, getting a manicure, pedicure, and this woman was in there, and she was probably in her 60s, and she was getting a pedicure, and she said this is the first time she has ever gotten a pedicure. And she said, you know, I just don't spoil myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, because I had been preparing for, you know, speaking on the subject of self-care, I thought to myself, you're not spoiling yourself. You're actually preserving yourself when you invest in self-care. And it's interesting because the group that I spoke with were, you know, 20 and 30-year-old adults, and they get it. You know, they know that we have to take care of ourselves so that we can give more. And the engagement, men and women, was just super high in this discussion, I think because it's a topic that we all can relate to. Yeah, and then there's guilt sometimes associated, at least with me, with regard to self-care. I think if I'm just going and doing stuff in a, in a way that's, okay, I'm going to go take a nap, for example, because I believe that that's what I, my body needs and my spirit needs right now. I kind of have some guilt associated with that when mm-hmm. I do that. It's like, oh, man, I should be doing all these other things right now. And gosh, push through it and don't, don't stop and, and those type of things. And Well, many of the great leaders in our world are nappers. You know, there's like the Calm app has um, mm-hmm. some great meditations. And I discovered the nap meditations, which are like 29 minutes but they talk about how, you know, Winston Churchill and uh, John F. Kennedy and Einstein, the, you know, all these great, um, greats, I mean, the list went on and on, but they're, they're, you know, they know how to take care of themselves, not taking, not like sleeping the day away, but just, you know, a, a recharge. We all need a recharge. We can't just keep going, 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 going without filling up. And the best version of ourselves can be the best for our relationships. We talk about that a lot. It's something that we say and discuss and teach on and share about, which is I'll take care of me for you and you take care of you for me. We're all on this kind of that spinning plate, you know, on our individual kind of stick there and we're spinning it and spinning it and trying to be the best version we can, trying to do the the right things in our lives. And when those overlap, you know, we don't want the plates to fall off. We want them to kind of just be spinning near each other. So that's their place of connection. That's Mm -hmm. the place of um, intimacy. That's the place of growth. That's the place of sharing. That's the the place of empathic listening. It's a place of contentment. It's the place where our best memories are formed. Mm -hmm. And so the, the end in mind here is to be present in a way that enables us to engage in a life giving way. I have to keep reminding myself of that because it is a higher call for me to do that. I put it in those words and those platitudes because I, it's inspiring to me and I aspire to do that. And if I can, then I'm normally in a better place for, for those that count on me, those that I love, those that uh, want to hear what's going on. And sometimes, you know, just being a better listener. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do with self-care in, in my sense of the world. So what are some other examples you have of what you do for self-care? 
Well, I mentioned the nap. I, I do like that app with the 29 minutes. That's perfect. It keeps you, you know, it keeps it in a reasonable uh, amount of time. And you do feel refreshed, you know, a little bit longer. You're, you're cutting into the night's sleep and then you're just kicking the can of sleep and mm -hmm. challenges with it for the next day. The one that I have found to be the most um, helpful is those moments of pause and gap between a stimulus and a response that when I'm in a high anxious, high anxiety situation, I tend to react as opposed to respond. And if I can pause and fill the gap with either silence or noticing or being curious or being more observant or getting myself out of the way, then I'm more, then I'm able to be uh, in the present mm -hmm. moment better. So the, the you mean like like taking care of yourself when you're flooded? Is that what you're talking about? I'm talking about just pausing to allow a little gap between you know stimulus and response, and then because mm. my mind moves really fast, and mm -hmm. it, 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 if I'm I'm trying to project it what someone else may be saying, mm -hmm. and if I start projecting what someone else may be saying, I'm not really listening very well. So I want to make sure that. I am, and so I have which to is, pause. Which is a way of you taking care of you, but also being a better listener for someone else. So it's like reciprocity. It's both. Yes. It's, I think it's kind of, I want to be a better listener. Mm -hmm. I, I do. I, yeah, but I also think that, you know, paying attention to that is like one of the secrets where, where it used to be, I think there was an understanding that you just kind of, you gun it, you white knuckle it, you just get through things and you kind of run yourself ragged and then, you know, then there's a breakdown somewhere. There always seems like there is where the reverse. And I think the shift is, you know, remember that, um, crash there was on the Hudson, mm -hmm. um, and the, you know, there were all kinds of people and there was one guy that wrote a, a reflection of his experience cause he was on the plane. He had been, you know, really taking care of his physical body um, for just a couple years prior to the crash. And he was, you know, saying that, you know, he kind of wrestled with it. Am I being selfish because he was working out, eating healthy and kind of really, really focused and paying attention to that. And there were people on the plane that hadn't been investing in self-care and they had, you know, they had, you know, needs during that crash where he, because he was physically able, was able to really help them, you know, in the time. And you never know when those times are going to hit. And I think, you know, people wait until, you know, they're on empty before they're like, oh, I guess I need to invest in self-care. Or they wait till their vacation or they wait till the weekend. or, And it's like we have to be thinking about that on a daily basis, you know, like we need to be thinking about hydrating before we're like so thirsty we can't, you know, we can't stand it. We need to think about what we were going to eat today, you know, rather than, I mean, that's a huge thing that people just wait until they're starving and then they eat anything and that's not necessarily the smart way to go. When you mentioned about kind of putting it all together and waiting to do it at some larger event. For example, a vacation. I'm going to have self-care on my vacation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have, I need to go to a spa for two weeks or I'm going to go, you know, hiking for, for a week and then reset myself. 
well, life's going to hit you pretty fast. You know, that re-entry hits you fast. And those tendencies that happen in our life to respond to things that are stressful, you know, we're hardwired for it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's part of our DNA and it's going to happen. And sort of like, well, okay, the day before vacation. I was even thinking about it this year with the day, like two weeks before uh, my daughter, our daughter's wedding. I was like, you know what? I got to, well, it's actually started about six months. I got to lose like 20 pounds before the, uh, for, for the wedding. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, and then two weeks before, I said, man, I got to lose 20 pounds before the wedding. And then I was having, we were having dinner with our, our new in-laws and uh, parents. And, and I said, you know what? I have till three days to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> And so if you're incrementally doing these self-care things, I mean, that's a, mm -hmm. uh, an exaggerated example and a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but it, it, how can you have self-care all at once if you're not practicing small components of self-care that has you ready and you practice when it doesn't matter as much so that you'll be ready when it does? Mm -hmm. And that's something that you've ingrained in conversations with me. We constantly look at that every time we're helping a couple, even today on our call that we have with a couple, uh, those little pieces of techniques and, you know, lessons and or exercises, that they help. And I, one of them is that notice, breathe, allow is mm -hmm. just a huge thing. That's kind of describing what I meant by that pause was to notice mm -hmm. and breathe and allow what is actually happening mm -hmm. to occur. And just now when I breathed into it. Mm -hmm. I'm allowing what's in this space with you and I today. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking about the, you know, one of the things that we noticed today in, uh, you know, a session that we had with this couple is that we all kind of, we all have to take care and look within and know what we need today. It might be different than what we needed yesterday or this afternoon might feel different than it did this morning. It's like I have to connect with me to know and to check in with myself to know what what I need, what self-care I can invest in. And you have to do that for you. I mean, we can help each other. I can get you, you know, lunch when I know you haven't eaten or you can get me, you know, bring me coffee in the morning or, you know, um, encourage me to go take a nap or whatever. I mean, we can support each other. But in the end, it's up to us to check in, check within and know, you know, how, what's the best avenue to self-care right now. And sometimes, you know, we were talking about this, that sometimes people are motivated to go to a social event because they, you know, certainly don't want to miss out on something fun. You know, they, they gave it a name, FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. It's like, what will I miss if I don't go? You know, I got to go because I don't want to miss anything. But then there's also the the other decision uh, that is that can be equally self-caring is um, you know to to not go to the event if if it's going to drain you you know is it going to fill me up or drain me and one day it might fill you up and another day you might feel like it's going to drain you and there can be um, more rest or more satisfaction in saying no sometimes than there. And there's saying yes. And that's the Jomo. Right? Yeah. What joy. is the Jomo? The joy of missing out. The joy of missing yeah. out. It's a it's a, a self care decision. And someone yeah. on the like I said, someone on the call that made that important decision. It was perplexing to her related mm -hmm. to that decision. And it was it was great to hear and 
that 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 person was sharing it with us and we were able to be a witness to it mm-hmm. it, it kind of reminds me of that that um you know when we take care of those um and we check it within like what do i need right now it might be that we have waited too long and that we do need to um, tend to something that we maybe have left too long. Like that, that saying, if you think everyone hates you, maybe you need to sleep. And if you think you hate everyone, maybe you need to eat. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's when we leave it till it's past, you know, when it's too late. The, there's also that, um, you know, that's saying that if you, if you snooze, you lose. Um, but taking it to a different level it's like when i snooze i win we all win you know it's <laughs> going true. back to the to the nap it's like yeah. it's a good thing i also think a plan having a plan together especially when we're talking about the couple dynamic is you know what do we each individually do to recharge refresh and to have self-care sometimes self-care can be a surprise attack or a response to an argument or a response to some anxious moments as opposed to something that's proactive mm-hmm. and doing something when the need the need isn't like immediately in front of you, like I've got to stop, I've got to decelerate, I've got to decelerate here, I've got to lower the the my boiling point down, and those type of things. Mm-hmm. So, what are the self care things that that we do? I'm starting, and I have been doing for quite a while now, with almost filling a couple journals, is having some quiet moments in the morning where I have four or five different authors and readings that I I. I look for and read each morning and write them down. What's my takeaway? Now that I know this information or this saying or this reflection, what do I do with that? And that's mm-hmm. the next question that I have. And those things tend to carry me throughout the day. I also then have a moment where I write down all the things that I want to try to accomplish that day. Mm-hmm. And what? how does that break down into the components of of my life with the relationships, you know, the relationships with myself. There's a more elaborate thing that I won't go into now that talks about what my personal, you know, goals are and mission and how these eight F's I have in my life and those type of things. Um, but it's it's ways in which I can, you know, center myself and find my center and in, in self-care. In other words, it's physically working out and what do I do with that with some some workout programs, but sharing that, and Carla knows those things, and she knows what I, and I know what she does. I know with her meditations that she does. I know that yoga is important to her when she has her self-care. Uh, okay. Connecting to people on a, on a level that, you know, is sharing their, their um, things that make a difference in their life, whether it's a spiritual side or an emotional side or sharing in stories and connections, and obviously all day long with clients. Mm-hmm. And those are ways to, to fill up as you're helping others to, to fill gaps that they have in their lives. Yeah, I think that's a great example that self-care isn't always about finding comfort like a nap or, you know, a healthy meal or exercise or whatever. It's like sometimes self-care requires intention, like getting up a little bit earlier to do those reflections, those readings, to, to be intentional, um, you know, recording and really thinking about um, how this fits for you, it's really you're setting aside time. So it's not always comfortable. Um, self-care is not always, you know, the comfortable choice. I mean, often it is, but sometimes, you know, doing yoga when you don't feel like doing yoga, or working out when, you, when you're tired. And, you know, I've never done yoga and felt like I wish I wouldn't have done that. 
ever. I've never. <laughs> but getting to but the mat. <laughs> I feel like it before, though. Yeah, it's like, I do not want to do this today. But I've never once been in Shavasana <laughs> and thought, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done this ever. So and I don't think I'm usually asleep by then in the Shavasana. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but I also think one of the ways that, that I think is important and people, um, you know, might not consider this, but I think part of self-care is really investing in fun, investing in uh, laughter, you know, like who are, what are those situations that put you in the best possible, um, you know, opportunity for laughter? Because we don't, I mean, laughing and having fun stimulates that internal pharmacy, you know, a feel-good hormones, and that's that's self-care, you know. When I, when we watched the, God, I forget his name, Brian Alvarez, I think Brian Jordan Alvarez, Brian something Alvarez, like that. Yeah. He's so funny, and we just, our daughter turned us on to it, and we have just been laughing at, you know, his humor and just finding something that stimulates that laughter or the people you know, that, that, you know, you laugh with the most to hang out with them. That's an act of self-care because it's stimulating that, you know, that they say that children laugh 400 times a day and the average adult laughs 15 times a day. So somewhere along the line, we lost 385 laughs a day. <laughs> I can tell you that 15 times a day sounds like a lot. We're actually doing a full-blown laugh. And yeah. Do you remember the, like the belly laughs? You know, see these yeah. kids on the videos, and oh they're just, God, just yeah. almost passing out. Well, I don't, I've known in the last couple of years when something is, is so funny that I'm laughing so hard that I literally almost pass out yeah. because I'm not used to the laughter muscle mm -hmm. as much as I, I have in the past. And I'm mm -hmm. when I'm laughing like that, it, there's a stimulation and you know, all of the science associated with it. And that goes back to one of the things that I, we talked about more this week was when we are hardwired for protection and when we're hard, hardwired for, um, you know, just basically continuing our species, protecting ourselves, making sure that we're in a, a safe place that some, that's been in our DNA since, you know, we were walking around, essentially, is that to sit in the moments of laughter and joy mm -hmm. and connecting with that. And, mm -hmm. you know, Dr. Rick Hansen, you know, we've been a proponent of his, where I didn't realize that his TED Talk was, you know, basically nine years old now, with talking about, you know, the 10 to 12 seconds of really sitting in a positive emotion. Because when you, when neurons fire together, they tend to wire together. You can actually rework the fabric of, the brain mm -hmm. associated with those good feeling hormones, but also the patterns, the neural patterns of your brain. And they tend to, over time, replace and nudge out some of the things that have drained us that we keep repeating in our life, in our situations. For example, if we have a loss or we have a challenge or challenge at work, we replay that event over and over. And what could I have said differently? Mm -hmm. What could I have done differently? What if I entered the meeting a little bit differently from this perspective? What if I had a better night's sleep? And we keep replaying it like somehow we're going to change that, that video. Well, we're not going to change the video. What we can do is when we have the videos that are positive and the videos that are life-giving, sit in them a little longer because we tend to naturally sit in those, those negative um, infomercials or the, the safety speech, you know, it's, it's in our mind mm -hmm. before we can take off and, and gain flight. 
think it's cool to be able to have this opportunity to kind of look for what's something good uh, to take it in and then hang out in that space just a couple seconds longer and knowing that that can be a gift to myself uh, can stimulate those feel-good hormones but it can also be a gift to those around me because instead of catching you know looking for what's wrong I'm looking for you know what's beautiful what's right what warms my heart uh, it's a great practice. And how long does it take? I mean, they, the goal is, you know, to get to 10 to 20 seconds of, you know, really just noticing maybe everyone in the room is laughing and you look around and you see everybody laughing and you're like, wow, this is one of those moments, you know, I'm going to open my heart up to this rather than going to the next thing. You know, I, I talk about, I think about this all the time when John was little and he used to love, he still does love sunsets and you know, he always wanted me to, Mom, look at this. And, you know, I was always busy making dinner or something and take two seconds or less than a second to look out and go, yeah, that's great, you know, and got to get make dinner or whatever. And learning that, you know, for him and for me, it would be better if I, you know, st stood out there for two, three seconds, you know, and uh, maybe have a goal eventually of just really hanging out there, maybe put my arm around him and just being like, yeah, wow, look at those colors. And really honoring that moment, being fully present, actually can be beneficial to my internal chemistry, but also that of who I'm with. We're trying to deal with our own internal pharmacies in a way that helps us dance a little bit and sing and whistle a little bit through life. Mm -hmm. These, the breathing aspect, you know, of, of pausing and breathing. It's huge. I mean, we can mm -hmm. talk a little bit about, about those techniques. Yeah, I, I think, you know, breathing seems like, you know, like we're always breathing. But when we're in anxiety, we're shallow breathing, you know. When we're in fight or flight, it's like you take a deep breath and you're like, oh, my God, it feels like I haven't even been breathing, you know. And when we practice uh, breathing exercises, we don't wait until we're in a panic attack to remember how to do a breathing exercise. We, you know, when, when you have a bunch of different ones that you can try, you practice them, you know, when you're at a stoplight or before you go to bed or, you know, when you're waiting in line somewhere or, you know, you, you create opportunities to practice it when it doesn't matter so that when you are um, high in anxiety, you can kick it into gear and it can actually help to lower anxiety. So a couple of my current favorites are uh, the hot cocoa breath, which is basically, and it's a great one to teach kids, imagining you have a hot cup of cocoa and you really want to have a drink of it and you have marshmallows on top and so um, you don't want to blow those off but you want to cool it down so you take a deep long breath in and then a slow, slow, slow exhale out, almost as though you're blowing through a straw, going back and forth, trying to empty your lungs of that breath to cool it off without knocking the marshmallows off. And that is a visual uh, that can be calming, but also a physical release from a deep breath into a long, slow exhale out uh, can be very beneficial physically. And then, then you get to drink your cocoa. Yeah. And then the second one is um, my second 
favorite one currently is uh, two short breaths in through your nose and one long um, exhale sigh out through the mouth. So it's like you, I call it sniff, sniff, sigh because it's the only way I could remember it, but it's like, <sighs> so it's sniff, sniff, and then a sigh. And there's something really physically, uh, it, it kind of taps into your central nervous system saying, oh, especially the sigh part. It's kind of like, oh, she's, you know, we're in a, we're in a calm state now. You know, that sigh is a trigger for the body and the body actually does just kind of calm down. So another form of self-care, and often I don't think people think about this as an avenue to self-care, but it is. And equally important for individuals, but also as couples, especially long-term relationships, is creating opportunities for a sense of novelty. Some trying something new uh, is is helpful, you know, like adventure and infusing things that are exciting and adventurous. Maybe even trying trying a new restaurant or trying a new um, craft, or you know, like. Uh, we recently did, um, uh, my son and I did um, glass blowing, and neither one of us had ever done it before. And it was just such a fun, uh, vulnerable experience because it's kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, me neither. And we start with nothing. There's an uncertainty there, and that's why creativity can be so rewarding is that there's uncertainty. And instead of predicting worst case scenario with uncertainty. With creativity, we start in uncertainty and we create something that looks like this, you know, like if I'm um, baking, you know, I've got all these ingredients and they look like eggs and flour and sugar and butter and whatever. And then I mix them all together and they're a mess and, but I form them into something and then there's a creation at the end that looks like that. You know, it's going from uncertainty to whatever that certainly is. <laughs> the, the complexity and the challenge of novelty shows up in a lot of different ways. For example, our, our oldest daughter, Olivia, she wanted to do a unique thing on her birthday, which was to get everyone together and to do crafts. Mm -hmm. So we took everything out of the garage storage areas and old stamps you know, that you used to do with the stamps and you'd heat it up and the glitter on it and all the markers, all these extra you know, cards that we had or blank cards and everyone was making um, holiday cards or seasonal cards or birthday cards and drawing things up. I was a very, a very, what do they call it? An amateur sketch of a flower I had on mine that I actually had to have a note with an arrow to it that says, this is a flower. Mm -hmm. But that's it was from my heart. It's from my heart. It was from my heart, you know, and doing that. But I didn't expect to, to have you know, to make a card that mm -hmm. I'm going to give to somebody, someone's going to get that card. I don't know who yet, but someone's going to get that <laughs> special card. But we were all doing that and having fun and being creative and showing and each vulnerable. other and going, whoa, look at that. And like, yeah. oh, this is a mess. No, it's not. It's creative. That's you. Man, that's, I wouldn't have ever have thought of it. So it was a way for us all to kind of think and do things a, a different way. These are simple things, but simple things done with intention and simple things done with passion and simple things done with joy makes the difference in the world. You yeah. know, it's not it's not these great acts. It's simple acts done with extraordinary love. Mm -hmm. We hear that like Saint Mother Teresa. They're extraordinary love. I remember mm -hmm. the, the 
you know, self-care leads to care of others. When she was holding that, that man in the street in, the, in, in Calcutta who was just dying and starving and her hand was cupped under his head and she goes, he asked, why do you do this? And she simply said, because I love you. Well, her care and her self-care that she did, and she had a lot of, you know, stuff that was going through her mind and challenges that she had, but she worked so hard on being the best version she could for somebody else mm. that she was that she was able to love in those moments where people a lot of people would shy shy away. I just thought it was a beautiful image of her because simply because I love you. Well, and I think you know that's that's a great point about compassion because I think many people like Mother Teresa for a great example. She's very compassionate and loving towards others, and that is often the greatest teacher for self-care like when we are in the presence of someone who loves us like that and cares for us it teaches us somehow that we are worthy of that kind of love and care and that we can also give that to ourselves and if we are someone and I think Mother Teresa probably struggled with this as do many caretakers it's you know they can dish it out but they can't take it it's almost like it's easier for them to be a caretaker and to, you know, care for others, but more difficult to care for themselves. And so it becomes a challenge for many caretakers to to open up a space to actually do that for themselves, to treat themselves the way, you know, somebody else did, or treat themselves the way that they would, you know, this this woman was talking about journaling and how when she journals, she journals to her younger self because she's she's kinder to her younger self and she knows how to take care of her younger self better mm. than, you know, her current day self. And it's like, well, find the strategies that work best for you and tending to, I mean, we could go on and on with this topic because it's, it's so relevant, so important, so necessary and life giving. One of the, you know, huge avenues to self care is tending to our emotions and listening to them um, finding a way to greet them rather than uh, close them off and shut them out, you know. And um, lots of many, many different avenues we could explore, and hopefully um, on later podcasts we will, but there's just so many avenues of self-care. Well, as a reminder, and Carla just said it, was that we're worth it, you're worth it, the time the time you spend on it is worth it, and the people that are in your circle of influence and care will notice it. So self-care is extremely important, and it's, it's something that is necessary uh, day in, day out. So in, until next time, we, we look forward. Hopefully, you're, you'll take some of these moments of self-care. And if you can, share it with us. You know, Email us at institute at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And um, you can share some of the tools that you have for self-care. So in the meantime, take good care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by WeDoRelationships.com. Now let's make a difference in our relationship with ourselves and others to flourish in today's world. Please share what you learn. Great job. You're taking the time to honor and explore your relationships. We know it's not easy in our busy lives, but it's worth it. You're worth it. Those you love will notice.
If you'd like to help us personally, then please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, leave a review, cheer us on, or simply say hello. What other cool couples do you know? Take the time to share our podcast with them. The world needs more vibrant couples. Great relationships lead to a fulfilled life. It begins with you. Every connection counts. Take good care.